Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. Cocktails or mocktails? You'll find a selection of both at Hazel's in Birmingham. When you think of Ironwood, do you think of opera and Broadway? Well, you will if you visit during Emberlight Festival. The best of the best with a canoe and paddle will converge on the grayling area soon for the Ausable River Fest and Canoe Marathon. And you'll be all thumbs up with a trip to Michigan's Blue Water area. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Welcome to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan, and it's my pleasure to be with you again this week as we get to talk to folks from all over the great state of Michigan about uh, reasons why you should get out there and explore beautiful, pure Michigan. You know, it is that time of the year that most people like to get out there. I know it's busy at uh, certain times and certain places, so just remember, go to those really popular places during the weekdays and those lesser known places. Maybe check them out during the weekends and get out there and discover what is pure to you. Pursue your pure here in Pure Michigan and tell you what we're going to do first for today's program. We're going to head to Birmingham, the uh, lovely little town of Birmingham, and we're going to find out uh, about a restaurant called Hazel's. It's been around for a while and it's doing some great stuff. So let's bring in Emily Harold. She is the co-owner and executive chef of Hazel's. Emily, good to have you on the program. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I have to tell you, I've been hearing about Hazel's for a while. I have a bunch of friends in Birmingham, and I'll get out there one of these days soon. I can't wait because I've been hearing good things. And Thank you. And I know you haven't been around for uh, you know a number of years. Uh, you opened, what, about three and a half years ago? Yes. Three and a half years ago. Not too much before COVID. How did you right. How did you handle all of that? I know it was incredibly difficult for restaurants. It was. It was pretty shocking, obviously, to everyone. But, um, you know, we were just finished our first year and we're finally hitting our stride and ready to kind of be in the normalcy of, of running the business. And then COVID hit. So it yeah. uh, felt like we had to start over again. But, yeah, I bet. You know, we... Um, we closed for six weeks fully. We just stayed home and kind of let it, you know, see what happened sure. and then um, opened back up for carry out. And when we did, it was this huge success. We sold uh, 900 lobster rolls in one wow. night. Wow. Um, I know. So it was clear that people missed us and wanted, you know, our food back. So that felt good. And then, you know, navigated the year with whatever we could. We opened, closed whenever we were supposed to. And, um, took all the support we could get from the government. <laughs> that yeah, helped sure. us a lot. Sure, of course. Um, and now we're, you know, on the other side of it. And if we see this light at the end of the tunnel and feel again like we're back in our stride and ready to continue growing. That's great. I- anything that you felt like you kind of learned from that experience and and and, and what it's going to do to help you move on? 
Yeah, the word that I think a lot of people use but sticks in my mind mostly is pivoting. Um, being able to change things at the drop of a dime and, and try new things and be willing to work with, you know, whatever is going on, whatever people want, whatever we can do to keep changing and growing and moving rather than be stagnant and hope that this new world we live in will, will comply. Um, we learned that we just have to comply with it and, and change the way we need to. And it's worked out well for us. And actually, it makes it kind of fun. We're never bored. That's yeah, sure. yeah, it's true. I think that's a really healthy way to, to deal with it. I mean, we're always going to have challenges, right? So if you don't learn mm-hmm. to, to adjust to them, uh, you're going to be left behind. So I'm glad that you came out of it and things are moving forward. And, and how, would you, how would you describe Hazel's to someone who's never been there? Sure. Um, so we call it casual seafood for the neighborhood. Um, we do, you know, really good, fun seafood menus. Uh, I'll get back to those in a second, but mm. menus that are, uh, that have some interesting seafood, but in a very casual way. So we're not stuffy. We're not white tablecloths. You know, we want the seafood to be, um, something that's accessible to everybody and people can try things that they might've been intimidated by before because they're in a more casual environment, very family friendly. You know, you can come as you are, um, and we rotate the menu four times a year. So, so every quarter we have, we follow the around the coast and do the the crustacean that's in season. Um, so right now we're in Lobster Pound, which is our mm. biggest and most exciting summertime fun menu. It's the way we started. Yeah. Um, so we're showcasing lobster, and again in a in a very casual way. You know, we bring it to the table whole and give you a bib and all that fun stuff. Um, so really, it's it's. Food that you might be familiar with, food that you might not have seen before, but in a way that, you know, you don't feel intimidated ordering it. And is your seafood all literally seafood, or do you have some, um, you know, fish and such from the Great Lakes as well? Um, so depending on the menu, we don't do much Great Lakes seafood. We try to do some wild fish from wherever, um, whatever menu we're in right now. So um, you won't see as much, you know, local fish as you do local from the, the region that we're showcasing at the moment. And we also have some really good non-seafood items. I always say it's not the kind of place that you can't get a burger because you feel bad getting a burger yeah. at a seafood restaurant. Yeah, that's We true. have a really good burger. Oh. We weren't a seafood restaurant to begin with. We sort of, you know, I pivoted into that. Yeah. Um, so our non-seafood is great, too, and something that I'm very proud of. And I'm, you know, happy when people order. Well, I also, I know you, you do great cocktails and mocktails as well. We do. So, again, we try to uh, – we have some standards that we've had on the menu since we opened, um, but then we showcase a region of cocktails um, for each menu. So in the summertime, you know, we, we we travel to these places and see what they have on their menus, and we want to mimic what they're doing. Yeah. And we notice with the main menus, and by main I mean the state, a lot of places don't have liquor licenses, so we – Instead, they all have lemonade, so yeah. well, we uh, we made some lemonade with liquor in them. Uh, sounds good. Uh, you were right downtown Birmingham, so people can find Hazel's in Birmingham. And um, what's what's the address of where you're located? Sure. So it's one Peabody Street. It's right on the corner of Big Woodward and Maple. I say Big Woodward because there's also yep. Old Woodward. It gets confusing. Um, but our but our entrance is on Peabody Street. So the address is one Peabody Street. Um, southwest corner of Maple and Woodward. Very good. And the website is eataththazels.com. We'll check it out. Thank you to Emily Harold for being with us today. We're going to head up to the UP next. 
We're going to talk about the Ember Light Festival here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. We're going to head all the way up to the western UP next to the lovely town of Ironwood. It's a long way if you are in southeast Michigan or in anywhere on the, the lower peninsula. But I have to tell you, I take that drive a lot. It's well worth it. It's a beautiful drive to get there. And then when you're in the Ironwood area, it's just beautiful any time of the year. So I recommend you head over there. But right now, through August 27th, you have an additional reason to head to Ironwood. You need to check out the Emberlight Festival. Let's find out what that is by bringing in Cindy Frank. She is a board member of Emberlight Festival. Cindy, thanks for joining us today. No, thank you. Happy to be here. Oh, it's really great. Well, we need to describe Ironwood for folks who have perhaps never been there before. Have you been there all your life? No, actually, um, I moved to Ironwood in 1976, got married uh, to a local man here, so um, this became my new hometown, and I've been here for about 45 years now. So 45 years, you're almost a local. We'll we'll call you (laughs) a, a local wannabe. And because uh, right. I know what it's like in the UP, you're, you're, you're never a local until you're there for a really long time. <laughs> but but, <laughs> right. but I'm sure you've fallen in love with Ironwood as I have. How did you describe Ironwood? Well, I would describe it as a very warm uh, community that is, uh, has seen many different um, interests take hold. And we've seen a resurgence in our um, recreation parks and um, a lot of recreational activities, but also in the arts. And so that's been exciting for me. Um, we have theater groups and we have art galleries now, and it's a very warm and friendly place. Um, so I think it's a good place to raise a family. It's a great place to visit. Um, and it has beautiful scenery all the way around. Yeah, it certainly does. Well, and you know, yeah. I certainly knew, knew it's a beautiful place, great place for families and all that. And for nature lovers, the trails there mm-hmm. are really spectacular, for instance, this time of year or any time of the year. But you mentioned culture. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, when you think of the UP, yeah, there are towns, you know, Marquette and Sault Ste. Marie, um, mm-hmm. Houghton Hancock because of the universities. But culture... Right when it comes to the arts, is not usually one of the things that, that I would guess pops up in people's minds as a, a top thing. And, and you're doing some really cool things with, with culture and the arts. Tell us about the Emberlight Festival. Well, the Emberlight Festival is, was really a dream uh, that developed from Miles Mickinen, who is a local um, boy who grew up in Bessemer, and, which is right next door to Ironwood. And he actually, Miles, was, um, did the lead role in Oliver when I was directing that when he was eight years old. Hmm. And he, has, he is now a professional opera singer. But Miles did a lot of local theater here in town, and he had a dream. And his dream was to bring a world-class arts festival to Ironwood, Michigan, and develop it so we are honoring all of the art forms. So it was a lofty dream, but he asked me to get on board with it, and um, 
And that led to making this dream a reality, which happened last year. Um, And that was in the midst of COVID and everything else, but it happened, and uh, this dream is going to grow, and our plans are for it to happen every year and really bring artists from around the world and that world-class art, but also to honor the regional artists that are here and have such a rich um, background and heritage and, and shine a light on all of that. Um, and so I think, you know, we've gotten off to a really fantastic start and have things that are featured, not only the professional performers, but the visual arts, um, poetry, writing. You know, we're trying to be very comprehensive about this. And, and really one of the exciting things is that our mission is to make this accessible. So that means affordable and also with a variety of programming. So uh, that is very important to me and I think important to all of us involved um, in the area to have such a phenomenal thing and including an international film festival. Wow. So there's something for everyone, that's for sure. That sounds nice. It must have been really heartwarming as a former student to see not only what he's done, um, uh, partially with your tutelage, but then for him to come back and invite you to be part of this, th- that must be pretty cool. Yeah, it, it really, it, well, it's a real honor. And I guess the, <laughs> the biggest challenge that Miles and I have uh, working together is we both have a million ideas. <laughs> and uh, we, <laughs> we need the other folks to kind of say, okay, we got to kind of pull this in <laughs> and, and make it possible in, in reality. But um Yes, it is an honor, and it's, he has such enthusiasm, and is such a great leader with his experience now, too. Um, it has brought in a lot, of, uh, a lot of folks to advise us from, you know, the New York area and L.A. and just, you know, people that are in the business at the professional side, so that's been interesting. Well, I was looking at your information, and I would suppose his contacts in opera have helped to bring some of these performers to your area. You have over 30 events with singers right. from some pretty impressive places. Right, right from Carnegie Hall, Metropolitan Opera, Broadway, uh, singers and also musicians. You know, our pianists are, are world-class pianists as well. So it's a real experience to not only work with these folks, but to be in the room with them and just experience the that level of performance. Well, you mentioned the independent film festival, so to mm-hmm. speak, as part of this this festival. Um, right. Uh, let's talk about the live performance uh, and the variety of live performances. Um, what can people mm-hmm. expect to see in here? Well, we do have our main stage, which is there's going to be two shows. Uh, one is with um, Emma Stratton. She's um, appeared on Broadway. And Emma is going to be singing just a wide range of fun um, musical tunes and uh, things you might hear in the movies and that kind of thing. And then Miles Mikkonen is do is a lot a variety too in his show, and that will also include a lot of classical voice pieces along with popular music. Um, and then uh, we do have a guest artist coming for our final night, which is. August 27th, and she is also a classical voice soprano. Um, so that's there's a wide variety of vocals this summer, 
In addition to that, we have what's called a performance infusion, and these are eight different uh, performances that happen in the Miner's Memorial Park. Those are all free events, mm-hmm. and that ranges from anywhere from um, things like how to tie brooms to uh, finish dancers. Uh, we also have um, uh, someone coming from um, doing some Native American flute and storytelling. Uh, so we have a wide variety. There's nine different per- performance infusions. And one of those, two is kind of fun this year. We are actually building an outdoor kiln that people can help um, create the kiln itself and mm-hmm. mud it, and then we're going to be firing pots that children have made. So it's just it's a very wide range it, of craftsmen is, and entertainers. Is that part of the Art in the Park program? Yes. It is part of Art in the Park, oh. um, and those are every Saturday. They're all free events. Yeah, you, um, you have such an ambitious um, list of things <laughs> that are happening here. What's the Behind the Curtain series? I must know. Yeah, Behind the Curtain is, has kind of evolved into more of an enrichment or education kind of forum. Last year was just visiting with the guest artists, but this year we have programming which includes Dan Truckee, who is is a performer and also an educator at Northern Michigan University, talk about heritage, and he's going to talk about the musical heritage of the Upper Peninsula. Then we have the Ancestral Women Performers, which are kind of a companion piece with our guest visual artist, Mary Burns. Yeah, I saw that as well. It just seems like you have everything as part of the Ember Light Festival. It's happening right now. It goes through August 27, and the website is... Emberlight.org. Emberlight.org is the website. Cindy Frank, thank you so much for being with us today. From Ironwood, we look forward to hearing how it all goes. We're going to head to Grayling next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. We were just talking, of course, to uh, folks over there in Ironwood in the Upper Peninsula. And and I bet you're just like me. When you think about the UP, you're almost entirely thinking uh, think about, you know, outdoors, all those great things you can do in the outdoors. Well, I have a similar feeling about that uh, Gaylord Grayling area. It's a beautiful part of the Lower Peninsula in that kind of northern central part of the Lower Peninsula. And, of course, the Osaba River plays a huge role in the environment, especially in Grayling. It goes from Grayling all the way to the east and a little bit south to Oscoda. It's a big, beautiful river, great for fly fishing and kayaking and canoeing and such. And that's exactly why it is the home of the Osable River Fest. It's coming up very soon. We're going to learn all about that next by bringing in Haley Stropal. She is the executive director of the Grayling Chamber of Commerce. Haley, uh, what a beautiful place you happen to live in. Uh, thanks, Dave. Thank you for having me. Good to have you with us. And, and, and how long have you been the executive director at the Chamber? Well, I'm pretty fresh as the director. I started uh, back in November I've been with the Grayling Chamber for about six years now. So oh, congratulations. Pretty excited for my new role here. Yeah. yeah. 
Yep. You bet. I've lived in Grayling my whole life, so I'm pretty passionate about our little town here and our little northern Michigan gem that we have. Yeah, it really is a gem. How would you describe Grayling for folks who haven't been there before? Well, for folks who have not been here, they've probably drove through Grayling on their way to someplace else, um, maybe stopped for gas or fast food, but they really should just book a weekend here and enjoy uh, something any time of year. Uh, we're good for all four seasons. We have um, events and we have activities during the winter, during the fall, uh, during the summer. You can snowmobile, you can hike, you can bike. Um, of course, like you said, you can canoe and kayak. There's a little something for everybody. We have lots of great little mom-and-pop shops right downtown. Uh, we have um, a couple breweries. We have what's called a social district now where you can grab a beverage and then walk downtown to your next favorite um, uh, location to have another uh, beverage. So we have lots of cool places uh, to visit here in Grayling and uh, lots of activities to get you outside too. You bet. Uh, I would bet a lot of people think of Grayling because of the National Guard presence there. It's a big deal in Grayling. Yeah, it really is. Um, a lot of times people end up uh, coming here for National Guard uh, for training purposes and then they end up moving here after um, after they've came here a time or two because uh, they love the area so much, yep. um, and then end up working on base. So um, we have a lot of people that work here for the military. Um, but yeah, they they do own a lot of a lot of property here. Uh, but we work really closely with them. They're very involved in our community. Um, they help out a lot uh, in what happens. And actually, we're we're working kind of closely with them on on Fourth of July fireworks this year too. So that's going to be kind of fun. Yeah, it's really nice to get that involvement. And I've actually talked to some of the former National Guard folks who decided to come back to the area, um, in or move to the area after after being there in their service. So it's it's really cool to see that um, happens more often than I think people think. And and understandably, because once you check out that Grayling area. And if you're a nature lover, you're going to love it, uh, mm -hmm. especially during one of your biggest events of the year. It's coming up very soon, the 30th and 31st of July. So just a few weeks away, you have kind of two events in one. You have the Osable River Fest and you have the Canoe uh, Marathon. So basically the River Fest yeah. starts July 22nd, right? Yes. And so what happens yeah. at the River Fest? So the Asabo River Fest is sort of our celebration um, of the river and of the races. It's kind of the, um, the pre-party leading up to the race. It's, it's uh, kind of our kickoff of the races and all the events leading up to it. Um, and then, you know, we, we have events starting the weekend before that lead all the way up until the race on Saturday night. Um, and even after the race leaves town, the, the party doesn't stop. We have um, a stage and a beer tent downtown. So after some people leave town to go follow the race, some people stick around and come downtown on Michigan Avenue and hang out with us as well. So, um, yeah, we have lots of events. So how, how, how big is that uh, canoe marathon as part of the, the River Fest to the community? I, I would suspect it has to be one of your biggest events. It is. It's it's massive. Um, you know, we look forward to it all year. We prep for it all year, and then we recover from it <laughs> for the other half of yeah. the year. 
Um, but we all look forward to it. Um, we wouldn't trade it. We love it. Um, our businesses rely on it. Um, you know, uh, downtown, we we estimate over 10,000 people um, at the start of the race. And at any point in time, those three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, are downtown for the start of the race. So. Well, and, and I'm going to ask you to describe how that race starts because it's pretty awesome. But first, I want to yeah. kind of set the scene a little bit for how big this is. Yeah. You mentioned the number of people. It's a lot of people for a small town. But mm-hmm. uh, get this. There are like two-man teams or two-person teams. Um, I don't. Do you have like maybe 50, more than 50 teams or something like that? Yeah, we have almost 100 um, teams. Wow. There's almost 100 boats now. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's really grown substantially over the years. Um, and next year is actually their 75th anniversary. Hmm. Uh, so next year I'm sure it will be even bigger. Um, but they So to set the scene for you for the start of the race, um, the, the race starts about three blocks away from the river. And, and at what time? Um, they, what time of the day? Um, so so at this point, when the boats are lining up, it's about 7.30 at night. Yep. And um, so they set up, like a, I believe they call it a layman, layman's course. All 100 of these boats are lined up for about one, two, three blocks, and they're all, all their boats are on the, on, the, on the pavement. They're all lined up in the order that they... Um, that they sprinted for. And so, you know, the public is all um, shaking hands and taking photos and giving them their good luck speeches and kind of giving them pep talks for a good hour and the sun setting and it's just a beautiful summer night. Usually the the music's playing. It's a festive atmosphere. Yes. Yep. Our stage is still playing the music downtown um, and everyone's just, you know, talking to people they haven't seen in years, asking them if they're following the race or they're sticking around town for the night. Everyone's got their team T-shirts on, um, catching up. And then it starts to be about 8.30, and all of a sudden you start to see the crowd kind of starting to dwindle down a little bit Hmm. because people are either getting to their spot down on the river where they're going to watch the boats go in or they're getting their spot along the the hill um, of Peninsula Street. So about 9 p.m. is when the um, the gun goes off, and at that point, all the the, the canoers already have their boats up on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. They're not on their shoulders, excuse me. They're like crouched down, ready to pick up their boats. Right. So when the when the gun goes off, they hoist up their their boats and they all take off. Yeah, all it, it, 100 it, boats, 200 people. All at the same time. That's the thing that's all crazy, I think, is that it's, yeah. it's one thing when you see marathoners, like running marathoners, all taking off from one line. And you have, you know, the elites and they're all out there ready to take off. But mm-hmm. these are, you know, two-person teams carrying canoes. Yes, it's, oh, on top of their shoulders. <laughs> it's crazy. So, um, so they're yeah. all taking off. And then they yep. they head to the the riverfront. They throw those canoes those canoes in there, and then they just take off. It's it it is astounding to see how they do this for a fifty thousand dollar prize. And um, it's it's the richest in canoe racing, and it's in Little Old Grayling, Michigan. So check it out and make sure to go to that Osabo River Fest. It all starts July twenty second, and then of course the marathon overnight, uh, July 30th and 
31st. For information, go to this website, awesobleriverfest.com. It's the biggest prize in canoeing. It's it's pretty amazing. $50,000 cash in prizes for this purse. And it's in little old Grayling, Michigan. It's really worthwhile going to. It's going to be a great deal of fun. So don't miss it. The Osable River Fest, July 22nd through 30th. And then the Canoe Marathon is part of that, the 30th. And then overnight, the 31st. You know, those folks, they get in that river and they're paddling overnight. They go all the way to Wascota. That's like it's like 120 miles or so. I've paddled that river. I can't imagine paddling the entire thing in one time. But these are athletes. They have a great deal of fun. And there are a variety of uh, places, uh, uh, ways that you can see them along that route, too. So for information on uh, all of this, you can go to the website, osabelriverfest.com. Osabelriverfest.com. Our thanks to Haley Stropal for being with us today. And uh, next, we're going to the Thumb Coast of Michigan. It's coming up next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. You think about all the areas of the state there are to go to. We have so much in the state. Such a big land mass between the lower peninsula and the upper peninsula. There's always something really cool happening uh, somewhere, if not multiple places at any time. And when you head to the Thumb area, it, it, it is a beautiful area. It's somewhat quieter than than most places in the state uh, for a big chunk of that um, that section of the state. Uh, but I like that. I like just driving through those fields and uh, driving through the forested areas and going to the little towns along the way. One of the places I especially love is Port Huron. It's it's the home base of what we call the Blue Water Area. Let's bring in Katie Stepp from the Blue Water Area Convention Visitors Bureau to find out what's happening in the Thumb this summer. Katie, good to have you with us. Hello, thanks for having me. It's good to see you last week, too. It was really fun to be together. Uh, the, kind of Some of the industry folks got together and um, talked about all the, the neat things happening around the state uh, during the summer. We have so many things here. And you think about what's happening in your area, just your area alone we could spend all summer. Um, and, and that's just because it's a really beautiful place, but you have some really cool events. I know you have the big Bayview, Port Huron to, uh, Mackinac races coming up pretty soon. Uh, when is that? The race itself, uh, is on July 16th. And then the Blue Water Festival is July 13th through the 16th. So you can wave goodbye to all the racers. It's, it's very emotional. It's a beautiful thing to see. Oh, yeah. I remember, George Zimmerman was the travel director for Travel Michigan prior to me. And George actually, he was crewing one of the boats in that race one time. Yeah. And he told me it is aggressive. I mean, they are really pushing to win that race. Yes, yes. It, it's, it's pretty... Uh, neat to see it downtown. This year they've kind of extended the festival to include the morning that they leave as well, which is typically if you, people start lining up along the Black River there as they head into the St. Clair River and go under the bridge right around 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. How do, how do they start that race? Does everybody kind of line up like, like 
you know, like a, a marathon, so to speak? Yeah, they do it in sections. So um, as they start to leave through the Black River, downtown Port Huron area, it does get super congested with all the teams. They're all standing up. They're getting photos. They're waving goodbye. Mm-hmm. They keep the bridges up, um, all the drawbridges in town. So nobody seems to mind. It's the only time that they open up the bridges at the same time, and all of them sort of flood through. And it goes on for about an hour or two. They head out just a little ways into the lake here on the lower lake there. And then they, um, it's it's not easily seen that part of it from from the um, riverside. Sure. But, um, and then yeah, they'll go in in waves. And, and the festival itself, that that day and night before, uh, when does that all kick off? And what can people expect when they come? Uh, July thirteenth, the kickoff. They'll have a parade. Uh, they shut down the main street. They'll have all kinds of live bands. We've got Dylan Scott for the Boats and Boots concert here. Uh, fireworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, vendors, uh, lots of fun. Oh, I bet. Now you have another boat race, totally different. These big power boats, these big cigar boats, uh, with the offshore um, race coming up. Um, when does that happen, and how can people watch that? Yeah, the Sinclair Offshore Powerboat Race is July 29th through the 31st. Again, they close down the main street there. I'm 29. Big party. Um, get there early, you're going to want to get a good spot. There's lots of great spots because they race all along the boardwalk there. So, as you know, the boardwalk's massive. Um, you can see them lined up over the other side in Canada as well. Uh, they'll do some test runs a few days before, and then the actual race will be on Sunday. Lots of fun. Well, it's called the Blue Water Area for a reason. There are so many, you know, water-themed events in the region. But it's a big area, and there's so much to see. Uh, I, I do want to find out, though, we were talking before we went on the air, uh, that, that some of your museums are offering free admission this summer. Tell me about that. Yes, Port Huron Museums uh, does have that right now. You can see the Huron Lightship. Uh, I believe it's uh, the last lightship in the Great Lakes that was out there, um, moored there along the river. Uh, the Thomas Edison Museum. The Fort Gratiot Light has a museum grounds there, and then the Carnegie Center itself. Uh, They have also trolley tours. Those are extra, and they have themed, which is really fun. You can get um, a real grasp on the history, whether it's Prohibition or some of the mayhem, things that have gone around in the area, which always fill up fast, but they do that throughout the summer into October, I believe. Wow. That that Huron Light, I think that's the oldest one, in the at least in Michigan, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know the museum's probably like, no, you did it wrong. It, uh, yes, yeah, I believe so too. <laughs> yeah, some some kind of definition, but the last one. It, yeah, it's if it's if it's not the oldest, it's old. Let's just put it that way. And it's really cool. So I know it's a little bit extra admission to to climb up it, but it's well worth it for the really beautiful view. And you were telling me that the blue water trolley, they still charge, but it's not much. 10 cents. Can you believe it? It's got 51 points of interest, about hour, hour and a half long. Picks up, drops off downtown uh, at the Mary, Great Lakes Maritime Center at a vantage point there. It makes a stop there. Um, also here uh, at the convention center, right under the Blue Water Bridge where our visitor center is, they pick up here as well. But again, yeah, 10 cents. That's it. I mean, I, I go on, I take it, love it. I still do it. I still learn things from it. It's pretty interesting. And I'll bring on a dollar and pay it forward yeah. to the next few guests. That's funny. That, that I, it, I actually like doing that myself. It's uh, 
it's a cheap tour of town. Whenever you get on those trolleys, you get an idea. And sometimes they give you a kind of a little narrated tour, a real tour is part yep. of it too. So yeah. you, you yeah. never Lots know. Of narration. Yeah, it's always fun. Now, you mentioned the conference center. I know your office is there. Beautiful, beautiful conference center right on the river. I'll tell you one of the, the, the things I most enjoy about the Port Huron area is just the fact you can be on that, that riverfront and you can watch those huge freighters go by, and they're pretty close. Yeah, it's the narrowest point of the river here, so it's almost like you can reach out and touch those freighters, and you wonder if they're going to hit going under the bridges. Um, some of them get pretty close. Some of them come close to the to the um, railings over here, and um, it's a pretty choppy area there as well. So when you're seeing boats go around it, that area is actually considered a rapid right underneath the bridge. Hmm pretty interesting to see beautiful scenery that really is uh, do people head out to the beaches on the east side of the state as much as they do on the west side I, you know i live in the muskegon grand haven area and those beaches are just packed at summertime same thing in port huron yeah yeah we've got our popular beaches that uh, lakeside beach in port huron is probably the most popular because it's got this incredible sandbar there that goes out for quite a way so it's really great for families um, but the whole coast is full of beaches, and on our website at bluewater.org, we have an article there that talks about the secret beaches. So you can't tell anyone about them, but there's a lot of beaches that are, if you're looking for that quiet beach or you're looking for the one with all the amenities, we've got all of them. Nice. We can't tell anybody about them, but they can read about them on bluewater.org. Yes. <laughs> so that, that's a good way to handle it. I like it. Uh, if somebody wanted to come to the area and they were just kind of looking to enjoy, uh, you know, the scenes of nature, uh, how do you recommend they uh, they take that trip? Well, you know, our road trip, if, if you start off, you know, it starts about 45 minutes just north of Detroit and you're heading all the way up there. As you climb further north into the thumb everything is just nature i mean it's very rural it's very quiet there's tons of trails uh, our website has them all listed for those interesting little places to go but even you know some of our wetland areas and the urban areas are very beautiful and scenic um, the wetlands county park is at the um, blue water river walk here in port huron I agree. I would I would recommend the same thing uh, to find out all about the area, not just Port Huron, but the entire, uh, basically the entire thumb. Go to the website bluewater.org. That's bluewater.org, and you'll get a lot of really great ideas, and you'll learn about those secret beaches. Our thanks to Katie Stepp from the Blue Water Area Convention Visitors Bureau for being with us today. Really appreciate it. And I can't believe it. It, it is that time already. We've, we've run out of time for this week. I am already looking forward to talking to you next week. So join us then right here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling.